Welcome to First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. I'm your host, James Gardner, certified athletic therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, yoga instructor, human being. This platform, for the pros, by the pros, anybody in the performance space, and beyond. Welcome here to share in the stories of professionals, experiences, journeys, learning along the way. It's a platform to connect, to network, and to be a part of a community that cares with conversations that matter, experiences that resonate, and generate ideas, thought-provoking, organic dialogue, passionate probes. Brought to you as always by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Epic, and Benchmark Athletics. In association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association, it's First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of it. We are officially live session 94 of Let's Chat and Athletic Therapy podcast. Somehow 94 rescheduled, got a couple of amazing guests, a couple of former guests on here, but uh, a couple of great human beings that I've got to know over the last little while. They know each other for a lot longer uh, than, than I have known them, but we're going to talk preparation. We're going to talk movement. We're going to talk a lot of things. Before we do that, our sponsors, as always, brought to you by First Star Therapy, Mobility Tape, Benchmark Athletics and Epic in association with the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association. As always, we are honored and grateful to have an audience, to have guests, to have this platform to connect people, to connect people, reconnect people in this case. Uh, and we go from there. Two amazing guests, as mentioned. Session 48, primary guest, Tim Contos from Virginia Commonwealth University. He has spent over 23 years at VCU and is now charged with duties as the Associate Athletic Director of Sport Performance and Student Athlete Wellness. He provides leadership in overseeing sports performance, sports medicine, sports nutrition, sports psychology within the Rams Athletics Department. No stranger on the other side, Ryan Metzger from Clemson University. She was the primary guest, session 67 of this podcast, and I'll encourage you to go back and listen to those individual conversations as well. She's in her second year as a senior assistant of, the, uh, of Olympic sports strength and conditioning at Clemson University. She is directly responsible for the strength and conditioning efforts of softball and women's soccer, as well as having direct oversight of all volunteer interns. And that is where we shall begin. Both of you, thank you for being here, Tim and Ryan. And I want to start with the fact that you both have oversight of other human beings. And I think this is where you met or originally knew each other. So uh, Metz, we'll start with you and, and how you know Tim, how you got to know Tim and, and where things stand, uh, you know, on different sides of the country at this point, well, I guess same size of the country, different states. And then Tim, over to you and, and, and your relationship with, with Ryan. Yeah, hi. Well, thank you for having me on again. This is awesome. Oh, appreciate you being here. Um, and I get to be on here with Coach Contos. Um, as you mentioned, we have a connection um, that has been, goes back, I don't know, like five years or so. I think we met in 2015, um, which was when I first got hired at Virginia Commonwealth University. My first 
ever full-time position as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, coach Contos, you know, talked about it before, took a, a chance on me. I was a young coach coming up in my graduate assistant position, um, just looking to get my foot in the door. And, you know, he gave me the opportunity. Um, and I had no idea how awesome of an opportunity uh, I got to walk into being a part of that um, program and having Coach Contos as uh, not only my boss, but mentor and um, uh -huh. I really look up to and has had a positive influence in my life. So um, long story on uh, how we met, but I'm very, very grateful for that. Amazing. And, and it comes through definitely, Tim, over to you, Anne, and, and your first memories of Ryan or, or how you came to this incredibly insightful hire. Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on. And uh, it's pretty cool to see your, your sponsor list have grown substantially since last time I was on. You're coming <laughs> up on 100, 100 episodes. That's pretty wild. That's awesome. But um, I don't know how embarrassing do I want to get uh, met with this, but uh, uh, we'll just say Mets was a little unrefined in the interview process, um, but did well enough that, uh, you know, one of the things you, as you get older, you have a, a probably a more difficult time articulating, identifying the it factor. And Mets is one of those individuals that has it, has a lot of passion, passion for what she does. And that's something that comes out when you talk with her. And sometimes people just can't pick up on it. So did I think I was taking a chance? No, I, I knew I was getting a solid human being and I was going to get a, a quality individual. Um, so it's it's been very exciting to see her growth and then also to come around and for us to stay in contact and still be able to feed off of one another and go from being of a position where I was kind of a mentor to now I'm going to her for advice on particular situations. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool how things kind of come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I love the capture from both of you and uh, our audience as this gets published and, and put out, out onto the podcast won't see that, but um, you know, a, a true connection. And I love the fact that it's sort of come full circle and, and, Tim, maybe you and I are a little closer in age, perhaps at this point, but you start to you, you start to backtrack and you start to see students enter the workplace. And then you start to see how having a younger mentor, you know, really adds value to what we do because it keeps you relevant. It keeps you understanding, you know, what's coming out. It helps with all those other pieces, maybe. Um, and, and then, Ryan, yes. having somebody having somebody that you started out with to always turn to for like that that sage sound advice that that may or may not be, quote unquote, current but you know, it's completely relevant and it's all coming from experience. And, and so uh, on both sides of the coin, I think um, I'm toying with the idea, Tim, thanks for pointing out that we are coming up to session 100 and it's going to be a special episode with uh, a few different guests. And, and the mentorship piece is massive because that's what keeps things going. That's what drives passion. And I think maybe reignites passion. And some of us that are a little bit older because we can turn and see it and remember ourselves in those shoes or remember ourselves not being quite as refined or, or maybe we were really refined. And then we stepped outside of that box a little bit now um, to sort of recreate ourselves or continue to evolve ourselves. So um, not where we're going to go this evening, but I, I would love to, to come back around to the importance of that perhaps down the road, sure. we, we, we do another, another segment, but this one, when we initially talked, um, I wanted to pick your brains because two amazing schools, 
Um, the blast that we put out there originally was a split picture of both of you doing some crazy thing and holding some some crazy championships. So, uh, Matt, so throw it over to you and just reviewing what that what that championship was for you at Clemson, and then Tim back to you for that championship, and and then we'll transition to sort of preparation and movement and all these other pieces. But um, yeah, Ryan, to to you with that uh, with that, I think it was a plaque or a trophy that you were holding and 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 doing the thing celebrating. Yeah, I just have to say that I loved the side by side like promo that you put together because <laughs> you think back to a conversation that you and I had had about myself and Coach Contos, and I had said something to you, and you were like, "That's a Contosism, like tree apple." <laughs> and it just reminded me of that. Um, it's like we have the same facial expression and everything. Mm-hmm. And- photos that was hilarious i'm happy you remember that because i i thought it was a great capture it was essentially the same pose it was amazing but yeah continue great stuff. yeah so um for me on my end that was our acc um regular season championship for softball um softball is a brand new sport at clemson they had started their first season in the spring of 2020 it got cut short because of covid so mm-hmm. we have a full season Um, We came back around in 2021. That was our first full season. And we ended up um, winning the regular season championship for the ACC, made it to the Alabama regional, um, actually made it to the championship game of the regional. And Alabama just happened to slip away a little bit, um, but a really, really exciting run for a brand new team. Uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, as a, as a strength coach, as somebody in the performance space, or the therapeutic space, like being on field and being able to celebrate that with the athletes and, and show, you know, your passion and your emotion. Like I love the capture. It's, it's just beautiful. And, and I think sometimes we're so behind the scenes that we don't necessarily get exposed um, to that. Right. And then the, the championship that, that you were obviously involved with that process and, and, and getting, helping in that environment to get them to that point tim to you and you were holding you know doing the same thing posing it down i don't know if you broke that thing or what but uh <laughs> no nah, they build them pretty sturdy so that's that's a good <laughs> thing um so with me i've i've been at vcu as you said uh almost 24 years and i've worked with baseball for probably about 17 or 18 of those mm-hmm. and as you listed my responsibilities at the beginning i've got a lot of responsibilities and Last year, my um, main team responsibilities were baseball and volleyball, plus overseeing multiple departments. It was getting more and more difficult to be able to do. Well, it was for me, I'm a type A type personality. I want to be able to do the best job at everything all the time. And with all those responsibilities, I simply couldn't. So I talked with my my supervisor about reducing my team responsibilities and um, handing off baseball to one of my assistants. And so last year was the last year that I worked with baseball. And after having gone through the year with COVID, numerous quarantines, and the team made it, made it through, we ended up hosting A-10 championships here in Richmond, which is the first time, um, I think that's the first time we've ever done it, and they, they won the whole thing. And so for that to happen, then for me to be able to go out like that was, was really, really special. It was really uh, awesome. Uh, amazing. And and what a, I didn't even really realize it, but I do now that you've mentioned it, both of you. So a first year team, a first year program and, and 
and Coach Contos's last year with baseball. Mm-hmm. What a just yeah. a, the dichotomy there, and and just what a capture of exactly how you know we started out here. Um, you know, taking chances and, and rolling the dice, and being early in your career, and, and perhaps a little later in your career, and and being able to experience that, and nonetheless the flex off. I'm, I'm not sure who won that one. Maybe that'll be the next, the next post should be who won this flex off. Mets. maybe that could be one of yours and throw that up there. But um, you, you, you captured exactly where I kind of want to take this as well. And so it's a great segue over that way. Um, following COVID, both of you touched on that coming out of COVID canceled seasons, or, you know, at least just coming off and coming back from that. That's directly where I want to go in terms of like preparation. So when we throw that word out there, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, when you hear that and you're thinking whatever you're thinking, like take it wherever you want to go, preparation for a singular game, preparation for a season, preparation for like wherever you want to take it, just give us a context. And, and Tim, where do you take that word? When you think preparation, where does your mind go immediately? And what are sort of some of the things that you're thinking about or, or that creates that definition in your mind? So the, the obviously the first thing that's going to come on come to mind is we'll start the workout with the we'll talk to the student athletes about what the workout's going to be what we're going to do in it and then go into mobility and warm up et cetera et cetera it's pretty pretty standard but something an idea that I had um, borrowed from you I won't say stolen but borrowed from you which Never. and also my wife who's a yoga instructor was setting an intention for the session. Mm-hmm. And so talking about it with the student athletes um, ahead of time here, tomorrow's here's our workout. This is what our main focus is. What do you want to get out of it? And sometimes it takes a little bit of explaining to the athletes. Okay. You want to work on your vertical leap. We have clean tomorrow. That's a great explosive, powerful movement. You need work on your serve. You need some upper body strength. Okay. Well, we got dumbbell presses tomorrow. What's your main focus? Now, it doesn't mean that another movement is going to be left off the docket or we're not going to pay attention to it, but that's going to be your prime primary focus. And that should start well in advance. Now, um, one of the things with that is knowing your audience and knowing what your athletes do. I don't want to say, well, I'll say appreciate, you know, some of them, they simply don't, if it's a running workout, they just want to find out what it is when they get there. Um, as opposed to having the intention of, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I've got four, four hundreds. These are the times I want to get, and this is how I want to do it. And this is how I want to keep my team up, et cetera, et cetera. But starting well in advance of what we traditionally use in air quotes there, uh, what we traditionally think of. So getting your mind right, that's the beginning of preparation before we get the body going. Yeah, no, beautiful. It's a great capture on so many levels. We'll come back to a couple of those points for sure. Um, Ryan, over to you, that word, where does that take you? Yeah, preparation for me just means putting in work that you're risking not knowing if it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you usually have a goal in mind, whether it's a game, a season, a championship, whatever it is. So the way that you prepare into that game, obviously is what we're talking about um, and all of that work that you put in, but there's very high chance that it's not going to pay off, but you still do the work. Um, So that's kind of what that means to me. But from Contos's point, it sounds like he sets the intention before the lift or before the training session. And I remember specifically with softball, 
a lot of them had come a year prior to them even playing a game ever. So that's all they were doing was preparing with this like goal in mind. Mm-hmm. When we mm-hmm. finally got to the spot where we were playing games and we were having these great winning streaks and going on these sweeps, I used to talk to them at the end of stuff and celebrate the victory, but also put into perspective what this new win means moving forward and mm-hmm. how much work and effort we need to put in to continue on that level. Um, so I would kind of hit that from the back end. Yeah, I think these are uh, both amazing captures. And, and when I look at it and I put on a different hat, perhaps, I put on sort of the, the therapist or the sport medicine side of things or like the, the paramedical side. And I say like, man, what's, what's preparation? Like, what is that? It's, it's, it's getting, you know, primed for the thing that you're trying to do. So I think those are things that are, that are there. But when I flip that and I look to sort of the SNC coaches and the advanced level thinkers, like both of you are in, in the spaces that you're in, all of the lifts are preparatory in nature. They are progressive. They are not reactive for the most part. Like you're, you're utilizing those segments of the day or those portions of those athletes' lives or schedules to create success, whether that's in that room at that moment or the championship that, that you both have been a part of. Um, the, the lifting side, the strength and conditioning side, like how can we transition or can we, or are we already, how can we do a better job utilizing sort of the therapeutic side or how do you guys integrate with the therapeutic side of things so that it's less reactive and it's more a part of getting ahead of the game in preparation of, or in preparation for, and and I don't want to lead you anywhere, but my mind goes immediately to, okay, we're looking at last year and we had six bouts of rotator cuff tendonitis. Okay, so like, are we doing anything different? What are we not doing? What can we add? What can we take away? Were they, you know, were these the hard workers or the not so hard workers? So getting ahead from a, from a proactive standpoint, um, always in my mind, the SNC coaches that are really doing a great job and continue to, to lead the field um, are, are very forward thinking when it comes to these things. You know, you understand a whole lot more than just reps sets and this is what you're doing for this segment of the lift it, it has a purpose beyond so i don't know where you want to take that or if you want to take that tim um how do we get in that direction or, or, or are we already moving in that direction yeah i think we are moving in the direction and i think that's kind of a i'd like to think of our profession is um uh what was the word that you used um um, progressive, pro- pro- yeah, progressive rather than reactive. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. we're, it's, we're in the game of, uh, injury prevention. Mm-hmm. And now I'll tell, like when I have recruits on campus, I'll tell them performance enhancement is a very close second, but I can't enhance your performance if you're not on the court. And so putting things in place, just like you're talking about at the end of the, you know, at the end of last year, sitting down with the athletic trainer and saying, okay, what are the injuries we had? What were the, the non-contact? What are the things that we can try and prevent? Overuse injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Then also sitting down with the coach and saying, what, what do we need? Where do we fall off this year? As for instance, last year, conditioning during the volleyball season took a backseat. And towards the end of the year, that was one of the things our coaches picked up on. And so we have kind of come back around and made sure that this year that, maintain, that maintains a focus this year um so yeah it's you know putting all those things into place all the time and and it's a fluid thing 
you know, just like what Mets was talking about, I thought that was a great perspective that you, you don't know if it's going to work. And that'll kind of lead into like one of my later points, but you're, you're putting something in place and you're, you're like, wow, this is having the exact opposite effect to what I thought it was going to, what it was going to have. The girls are, their legs are heavier going into the game as opposed to the exact opposite. Whereas, you know, I thought they'd feel fresh and light. So got to take the feedback and knowing, taking everything with a grain of salt, knowing who to go to for feedback um, who not to or who to take with a grain of salt when they when they provide their feedback? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, great stuff. And and Ryan, same thing to you in terms of uh, the integrative space, or or are we doing a good enough job, or, or or where can we perhaps spend a little bit more time? I think you know our role in athletic performance is so important, um, and the other bit of it is that it's important to collaborate with all of the other pieces that go into the athletic performance of an athlete, because if you silo yourself at the end of the day, the only person that it really affects is the athlete and the athlete performance. So for me, I've had a really great working relationship with, you know, the athletic training staff and sports medicine here. Um, they actually attend all of the lifting sessions um, which is great for me because it's a resource, but also it's great for another perspective so that they can also see what is going on. Um, and mm -hmm. if you feel the need to give any kind of insight or, you know, whatever, they're free to do that. Um, but at the same time, I just keep a lot of transparency in what I do. I talk to them ahead of time. They give me insight and input in the lift or the conditioning session. And so I just think it's really important to have that. Um, but like coach Contus mentioned, he kind of alluded to, you know, experimentation and two really big things that we push in our philosophy at Clemson is innovation. So you're constantly researching and reading and what's something new that we can implement, how's something that we can, you know, where's this thing that we can change. We don't want the lifts to fail for these athletes year after year, after year, we don't want to change just dates and keep going. Cause you have a different team every year, but also the other part of it is experimentation. So we need to see what works and what doesn't, what can we put in? What should we take out? Um, the only way you're going to know is if you try it. So that's kind of been my approach to, um, you know, athletic performance and, and utilizing our sports medicine department as well as a piece. Yeah, absolutely. And innovation, experimentation, and, and this is the art and the science sort of blended into one, right? We do all the research, we have all the research, and then we can do a little bit more to disprove or, or, or confound that current research or whatever the case, or, or apply our setting and, uh, or the inverse and, and change all of that. But um, both of you touched on this in terms of preparation in different ways. I'll take it back, Tim, to setting intention. And I look at that as communicating and, and having that opportunity to communicate with the athletes and deliver information that is clear, concise, and, and, and understandable in whatever realm or, or way an athlete takes it. And then Ryan, to your point, you talked about communicating with the athletes. We won. We want to continue these winning ways. So continuing the success looks like all of that hard work we did. And then modifying that so that we can then continue on this path whether we get there or not is relevant irrelevant but but both of you captured 
the importance of clarity in communication. And I think all of that, can we can take a step even further back and look at that as part of preparation as well. Understanding that communication channels are closed, loops are closed, but they're also accessible. So your sports medicine staff can access what you're doing. And I, I, I have been one to spend time on a gym floor as often as possible and be outside of the clinic more often than not to watch athletes move. Because to me, that's gathering information. If I can watch an athlete through a whole day, it gets a little creepy. But I mean, if you see them move in a gym when they're not hurt, you're going to have a whole lot more detail if and when they do get hurt or have some contribution as to how or why they're moving differently now. And so, um, but both of you talked to that. And I think the, the, the preparation piece leads quite nicely into sort of some of the things that you talked on and lifts and um, intention. And if you want to get better at this, here's a really great opportunity to do that. Um, when it comes to lifts, and there's a lot out there, social media, there's a lot of things out there that get current and trendy and all these other things. And, and we can buy in or not, we can agree or disagree. And I think that's great. I think access to information is also great. But again, with a great assault, <laughs> with some understanding, with some education, um, when it comes to lifts, is there one best lift? Or is there one lift that everybody should be doing? Or is this more tailored to this is the lift that you should be doing based on you and the things that you need? Um, Ryan, let's start with you. And then Tim, we'll throw it back to you at this way. We'll just bounce it back and forth. Um, I think as I've grown in this field and gotten more experience, um, my answer probably has changed. So before I was at VCU, I was at Kentucky. Kentucky is a very Olympic-based program. And so I thought that that was the only way that you could train an athlete. And so you make the athlete kind of fit the mold of that. And I never wanted to get away from that because that was what I was comfortable with. That's what I knew. I understood like how it transferred. I understood why it made sense, but also at the same time, I think maybe I failed to understand how that's probably not the best for every single person that walks in the door. So as I've learned more about training and things like that, I would say that there's not one set lift perfect for every person because every person you meet is going to be different from so many different, you know, anatomy and all of that, like just, there's so many different factors that go into it. So now I would say that, um, you can have an idea or a template or a thought process, and then you pick the movement that best suits that person. Uh, Tim, how about you? Uh, obviously nodding in agreement, but uh, anything to add or, or anything that to, to counter or whatever. Yeah, I wish I could have been as open-minded as Mets, um, where she is in her career, <laughs> where I was back then, because th th this is something I've, I'm putting, putting more and more thought into, especially this past year, and I think the big thing for me is seeing my assistant take over baseball and doing different movements with them compared to what I, what I would do, and, you know, just kind of asking him why, asking myself why, and saying, okay, maybe, you know, for me, I a year ago, my number one unequivocal answer would have been a squat. Squat is going to be, it's going to help just about everything. Mm -hmm. I still feel pretty strongly about that, but now I'm deviating a little bit more towards different variations of a squat, whether it's a split squat with dumbbells, a front squat, um, 
looking at different loading patterns and the, the mechanics of the sport, as you pointed out, you know, sports that have a, a tremendous amount of rotation probably aren't going to do well with a ton of spinal loading, i.e. baseball. So having a different movement in your repertoire that you can fall back on is going to be more applicable for them and safer mm-hmm. and probably uh, get the job done just as well. Yeah. And, and I think there's so much, uh, wisdom in, in being able to reflect and, and, and assess sort of where we're at and why we think what we think and how we quote unquote know what we know. And, um, to your point, Ryan, like we are, our output or our life is based on our own experiences. And therefore, like, if we take that a step further, like we only know what we know and therefore we don't know what we don't know. And so we sometimes do get caught in gutters and not to say that that's a gutter in a negative sense or, or, or a downstream or whatever. And, and we either can't get out of it or the walls are too high. We don't see outside of it or it's working really, really well. So like, why would I change anything? And, and there are values to, to all of those things, I think, um, in my own uh, experience. And, and then again, like both of you take this point and you make a good point on your side and you make a good point on your stance, and you make a good point on your experience. And we have, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Stu McGill, but he's like sort of this back guru and, and his answer to virtually every question is it depends. Right. And so both of you (laughs) did that in your own way. Yeah. Maybe it depends. Like, okay, how do I fix the athlete that, that can't squat and, and, you know, they, they need to be able to squat for what they do, but they don't do it well. Well, it depends, right. It depends on femur length. It depends on um, kinesthetic awareness. It depends on range of motion. It depends on where they're loading the bar and what their past experiences with so on and so forth. And so it really does depend. And I, and I think if there's one lesson that maybe we can all take away from this conversation to date is, well, there's plenty, but I mean, the, the, at least that most recent one is, is that it truly does. It does depend, but there are some really great movements and some great pieces too um, that fall in line with preparation and that fall in line with, with best movement. Um, we'll transition off of that one and just get to one more question. I, it, it's, it's relatively late based on your guys' hours and, and what you're doing every day, all day. So uh, we'll keep this one relatively brief, but uh untapped or underutilized elements in programming specific for your collegiate athletes is there something that you've seen sort of uniformly or you picked up on over time that huh i wonder if we're the only ones doing this or or what they're doing looks really good we should find out what they're doing so that we can or we talk amongst each other um tim anything untapped or or you you mentioned intention and setting intention Mm -hmm. i think that's massive as well because there's a lot of potential left on the table when we don't really lean into what we're doing, but if it's mm-hmm. a good answer, expand, if not, go ahead. I would say giving the athletes a choice mm-hmm. and it, now we're not the only ones doing that, but that's something that not too many people are doing too often. And this goes back to Metz's point where we're putting a plan in place. Hopefully we're putting some research behind it to say previous people have done this and it's worked. So hopefully it's going to work for us, but we really, so, you know, we have a plan. We're trying to put it in place. Now, if I let the athlete meddle in that by giving them a choice, it's going to throw my path off a little bit now, but there is something very powerful about having the athlete make the choice. They work once they've made that choice, they will work infinitely harder at it. Hmm. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, I'll probably put up a couple uh, options tomorrow in tomorrow's volleyball workout. There you go. I think it's brilliant, man. Absolutely. And, and, and it gives the autonomy, right? Like it provides 
the athlete with making the decision. Okay. I, you have an option here. You're either going to go, um, you know, I don't know, whatever the example is like a, a barbell squat, or are you going to go with split stance, you know, split stance, whatever it is. And, and whatever the relevance is in your lift and in your thing, I think that's absolutely terrific. And I think more people need to hear that and understand that there's certainly value to that. Whereas rigid programming, there's also value there, but great point. Um, Ryan, over to you. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say giving you know your athletes a choice allows ownership and creates better buy-in because they feel like they had input. So I give my athletes a choice as well. Um, sometimes I don't. I'm like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> um, but it's based on training age. Um, so that's what that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Um, I do. I actually, cause I thought about that today with softball freshmen are doing this upperclassmen are doing this. Um, <laughs> but, um, as far as like actual ways to train and things that are being implemented, um, three things came to mind. Um, so like fascial sling work for our rotational sports has been pretty huge with our program. So we do a lot of rotational movement patterns, especially mm-hmm. with our rotational sports. That's been really interesting. I myself have utilized a lot more landmine work. Um, it's been something that I haven't done a ton in the past. Um, I have found different kind of squat variations or split squat variations. I found a way to make it a rotational power movement for my softball athletes. I really like that. Um, and then I think the latest, if you follow any of the Clemson social media, you will probably see this. We have um, taken a pretty deep, deep dive into locomotion. Um, through like Bob Stroop. And so a lot of like hip shifting and just footwork. And um, it's a really, really good way to look at movement patterns, especially after a game. So how have they recovered? Um, but it's also a way to help them be a little bit more athletic in their brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, some great stuff. And, and all of these pieces are in the best interest of those that you're working with. And I think this is it, like choice, uh, opportunity, you know, planned executed work is also very valuable. Um, and then, yeah, you talk landmine or you talk, you know, fascial slings, or you want to talk, however, kinetic chains, whatever language people are using to describe this stuff, um, a- accessing all of this stuff, because we know there is no direct correlation between what you do on the gym floor and what there is on the field. Why? Because that environment is ever changing uh, in, in a competitive space, unless it's a, unless it's a weightlifter, right? Like unless it's an Olympic lifter, then you have a pretty predictable environment. You can train directly based on the movement because you're training for that movement. So I think it's great that we are now becoming completely aware that movement matters, that dynamicism, dynamic nature of movement is important and that changing angles on things is, is critical. Like if we look at, I'll talk to my bias just from a therapeutic standpoint, like I'm implementing a lot of undoing. Do you know what I'm saying? So like we figure out the patterns that athletes are using and then undoing those and that's rehab because we're getting so bound into some of these rotational patterns that we can't actually anti-rotate. And if you can't anti-rotate to the thing that you're rotating, eventually there's going to be a breakdown. It's going to be really, really hard to interrupt or, or recreate that rotational pattern. 
and what's, you know, we could take this a step further and take it into all kinds of different talks, but we won't go there tonight. But if you look at an athlete who rotates one direction and then you sit them down and have them do a rotational orthopedic test, generally speaking, they rotate better in the opposite direction. I mean, that's what I've found anecdotally. And it's just a kind of a cool test. If you sit down your right-handed pitchers and get them to do an orthopedic like thoracic rotation and then get them to do it the opposite way, I don't know, or hockey players or, or soccer kickers, like it's an interesting sort of test. And I think for me, like taking some of those, even if that's incorrect in your setting, like that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not saying that's a blanket statement, but anecdotally, like looking at some of those things that aren't necessarily looked at all the time and just taking like a let's step back from this and like if we keep training them to be better at kicking one direction are we doing them a disservice to the pieces that we're leaving out right and so that off-field stuff and that's where I think like preparation that first talk that we discussed it has so many different facets and so many different angles and uh, um, anyway I, I could take this we could all take this I'm sure much longer than we need to but Tim well if I may I was going to say I, I think that's a very difficult concept for a lot of sport coaches Mm -hmm. to to comprehend like if they were to come into the weight session and they would look at the workout probably about 75 percent of it is trying to counteract everything that they're doing on the quarter of the field right it's preventative in nature we're trying to why are you working their tibialis they don't vertical leap with their tibialis anterior yes but it's a major shock absorber and so it's going to help prevent shin splints when they're doing endless sprints up and down the court why volleyball players doing that i don't know uh (laughs) But I digress. But that's, you know, that's a that's a that's a that's something that's very important. And I think a lot of athletes, they don't understand it as well. But it's it's probably something that comes out more so when we're dealing with sport coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great points. And and I think we could probably sit down and hunker down on a few of these points. But again, it's a Monday night. I appreciate you guys taking this extra bit of time. I know long days and they start early and uh, Ryan will, will try and work some more days into your days off into your contract tim you too i don't know if you need an agent it's not me but uh maybe we need agent maybe we need agents for strength coaches moving forward too yeah for yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah um so uh follow some of your advice make sure you get lots of good rest and and where and when you can find it as we used to say in baseball make sure you sleep fast and uh and get back after it um i appreciate you guys uh taking the time i appreciate you sharing your stories and insights and 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 as always the connection here between the two of you and uh bringing me in to to sort of start to begin these conversations and have a few more and and really get exposed to some amazing human beings uh, on the other side outside of being strength coaches uh you you both influenced me on in in any number of levels to this point i look forward to where things can go um into the future and future conversations and as always you're welcome on here uh anytime and every time if we can make it happen uh, it's Tim Contos from Virginia Commonwealth in, uh, University and Ryan Metzger from Clemson University. Remember to check out their previous sessions as well. Tim was session 48. Ryan was session 67. Those were their individuals. This was a combined effort uh, talking all the things. Really appreciate this, guys. I'll let you close this out with a good night. Um, thank you for everybody for picking this up. It's session 94. First start, let's chat an athletic therapy podcast. Tim Contos. Ryan Metzger, Session 95 will go next week. You guys take this one away. Thank you and good night. It was great seeing both of your faces. Thank you so much for having us on, James. Yeah, I uh, I second that. I was wondering if Coach Contos had his beard grown back yet. but uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for having us on. This was a lot of fun. Back in, and better than ever. Thank you guys so much, and, and good luck through the rest of this week and beyond. We'll be in touch, all right?
All right. Good night. Take care. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. Check us out online. FirstStarTherapy.com That's F-I-R-S-T-A-R Therapy.com Or email us with feedback. Consult at FirstStarTherapy.com C-O-N-S-U-L-T at FirstStarTherapy.com On Instagram at FirstStar.Therapy And our podcast host at Let's chat.at. This is First Star Let's Chat, an athletic therapy podcast.